Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Hey, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. Today we are talking about how to build a 30-year career in speaking. And our special guest is Randy Pennington. I'll introduce you to him in a minute. Our podcast is being brought to you by Accelerate Live 2019, which is our live event that will take place February 22 and 23 in Florida. Now, we are putting together an incredible lineup of guest experts, and we'll be going to be covering three areas this time, storytelling, systems, and social media. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. And if you are a speaker who is kind of off the ground in your business, but you're looking to scale and go to that next level, this is a good event. Go on over to speakerlauncher.com and click on live events. Now, as I said, today's podcast is all about building a 30-year career in speaking. Uh, Randy Pennington, welcome. Hi, Jane. How are you? So excited to talk to you. It's been a while since I've seen you. It's always fun to chat with you. (laughs) Normally we meet at the bar at NSA. So we're we're trying to have a a lovely conversation between two buddies this time. And we're going to pretend that we have a bevy in front of us. Well, I do have a bevy in front of me. (laughs) It's not an alcohol yet. Me too. Mine's tea. Okay. Now, um, in our title, we've called this a 30-year career. And I just want to kind of, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Lately, the difference between a career and a speaking business. You know, I'm really focused on thinking about it as a business these days. What do you think about that? I agree, Jane. Uh, I've always looked at this as a business. I've always run my business as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm set up as in the U.S. as a uh, C corp, so I'm incorporated. I. Yep pay myself a salary. We have a benefits plan. We have board of director meetings. And, and, and so we've always run this as a business. Uh, and, and even when I think about that, there's a difference between a business and a practice. Mm-hmm. And so the business is something that theoretically you could sell. Right. A practice is something, it is a business, but it's a business that's people dependent. Yeah. And trading time for money as we have come to think about more in the latter parts of our careers, I'm sure, or businesses, uh, may not get you that sold business. So we need to have systems and processes in place in order to sell. And, and also you need to have a product or something that is worthwhile. So in my case, it's intellectual property. Right. Um, and trademarks. I, I own probably way more trademarks than most people think hmm. um, because that becomes something that is valuable that I can either license or sell after hmm. I decide to stop doing this. See, I like how you think. And I think that that's what we want for people to be um, considering is how do I grow this as a business and uh, maybe there are some intellectual property that they could be trademarking as well. Let me, let me just share with everybody your bio because it's a pretty, it's a pretty weighty bio. Uh, Randy Pennington helps leaders, 
deliver positive results in a world of accelerating uncertainty and change. His clients include many of the world's best managed companies, associations, government agencies, and universities. Additionally, Randy serves as an adjunct instructor in the Cox Business Leadership Center at Southern Methodist University. Randy's the author of three books, Make Change Work, Make named the 2013 Best General Business Book by USA Book News. Results Rule, named the 2007 Best General Book Business Book by USA Book News. And On My Honor, I Will, which Ross Perot described as having the crack the code of great leadership. That's a, There's a lot of accolades there for your writing, Randy. Let me just finish this off with featured in um, leading visual and print media, including CNN, PBS, Fox News, ABC Radio, BBC, Fast Company, The New York Times. The list just goes on and on. And he's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, CIO.com, and has been inducted into the CPAE Speaker Hall of Fame by the National Speakers Association. He has his CSP and has been given the CAVIT, which is the NSA's highest award. So, boy, that is a long and lengthy bio, but there's a lot of meat in there. There was nothing I could felt like I could trim. <laughs> it was all important. That that's a, And that's what a 30-year career looks like, a 30-year business looks like. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that. And, and it is the result of um, staying at it for 30 years. And, and that's the key. It's you have to stay at it to whether you're having a business that grows that lasts that long or career or mm-hmm. a marriage or anything else. You have, yes. you have to stay at it and do the work. That's right. Nothing uh, really. And, and there really isn't. I remember somebody asking me, you know, well, if I can't be making money next month, then, you know, this isn't going to work out. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to take you out of my database altogether because I don't even want to, I don't even want to try to touch that. Yeah, you're right. It's not going to work out. What do you think it takes to really hit some traction in the first few years? I've always said three years to kind of launch. What do you think it could be right now? Yeah, and and I think today it could be three years would be aggressive, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be as much as five years, only because there's so much competition in the marketplace. Right. Um, so I, I do think that this is one of the things that I've seen change over the years to get traction. Right. Um, find one thing. And I know you, I love that you talk about this, about, you know, pick your lane, mm-hmm. yeah, pick your piece of a lane even. Right. Um, I, I don't think that you can even say a lane is this. I mean, I think the more narrow you can define your lane, the big, the bigger and better chance you have for quicker traction today. So you've gone from being a leadership person. So your lane might have been at one point leadership and you've gone down narrower to lead change and build cultures. And so how has that helped you become more known? Well, certainly it, it, it allows me to hang my hat on something that is more unique. Uh, if you search leadership speakers today, you'll find there's millions. Everybody talks on leadership, um, including a whole lot of people who have never led anything in their lives. That Mm -hmm. doesn't stop you from talking on leadership today. Um, And so we've gone further because in essence, all leadership, I believe, is about change. 
you, you want to move somebody from where they are to where you need them to be or where the organization needs to be. Right. That, that's an essence change. Um, we, if we want it to be better, we have to be different. And we want, if we want it to be different, there has to be change involved. Okay. So that's even drilled down more narrow there. And the idea of culture, um, you know, it's funny. I got into this. I, I started off in the consulting world, and I was doing a lot of work around culture and change in the consulting world. And then I actually broadened it when I went out on my own and started speaking and then the more I, the more I was into it, the more I began to realize um, all the good stuff that we talk about in speeches and training programs and what have you, it doesn't matter if the culture doesn't sustain it. It doesn't matter if the culture doesn't sustain it. What do yeah, you mean so, by that? Yeah, so uh, for example, uh, let's say that you – you're a leadership person who speaks on employee engagement. Mm -hmm. All right. How many, how many presentations, speeches, training programs have we heard on employee engagement? Right, right. Yeah. And so if the culture of the organization doesn't sustain that, then, then we, we, go, we go, to, go to the speech, we go to the training program, we attend the facilitated seminar, whatever that might be, and then we go back and we have to implement it in the same old toxic environment that we left. Ah, right, right. And so if the culture doesn't sustain the knowledge, hmm. then um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Some people will take it and implement pieces of it, but if you're really thinking about how organizations get better, um, it, it's not one or two people deciding to be different. It's mm -hmm. everybody deciding to be different. Right. And that takes a significant amount. So when we were talking uh, before we started recording here, you have clients that you and you go and see on a regular basis because this is not a quick fix either. Right. My longest existing client today and it's not the one that we discussed. I'll tell you about that one in a moment. But my longest one today is 17 years. <laughs> I, um, my coach, Dan Sullivan, he says, uh, thank goodness that we're all such slow learners. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it keeps him in business. Well, uh, and, but, but see, here's the thing. We're, um, we're not doing the same things mm -hmm. as the closer. So imagine this. You know, I, I started with this organization by asking this question on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being exactly where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Where would you put yourself today? Right. And they said, probably a seven or an eight. Wow. All right. So they were good then. Mm -hmm. Right. And, it, and when I asked them that today, they would say, yeah, we've probably gone to an eight and a half. Wow. <laughs> and that's because it's not that they haven't made significant improvement. They've made amazing improvement. Right. But their expectation around what's possible has changed. Has changed. Now, have you survived a number of uh, changes in leadership there? Uh, a couple, yes. Wow. And how did you manage to do that? Um, well, in that one, the person who was promoted to uh, lead the organization uh, had come up through the organization. So they only knew, they knew me from the, almost their first day on the job. They're way, they're way, they weren't new in from outside. They weren't That's new in good. from outside. Yeah. Now, uh, I just lost a client um, who brought in someone new from the outside. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that person, I was only with them for about 18 months. Uh, and that person wanted to bring their own person in. Right. I get that. And, right. and so we transitioned out and what have you. Sure. Uh, and, and so, you know, the continuity and leadership is important, but, you know, surprisingly, I've, um, I've been able to keep that because people say, you know, well, we've got this, it's working. Who do you use? Well, we use this guy named Pennington. He comes and helps us. Sometimes they stay, sometimes they can, they go find something else. Um, you know, and interesting for a number of years, Jane, part of our business model was we wanted to find and work with high performers who had the ability to get promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, so for years, I had this one guy that about every 18 months, he got a new job. Wow. Um, which was good for me. Um, and I always knew when it was coming because he would call up and say, I'm applying for this job as CEO of this or as president of that. Um, I'm having the headhunter call you. Um, which I always took to mean, go ahead and start clearing your calendar for about three months from now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it when people, I mean, okay, so we're talking about how to build a 30-year business or 30-year career. And what you're telling us is that you have incredible loyalty from your people so much so that they take you with you wherever they go. And that's really, I think that really says a lot, don't you? Well, it does. And, and, and here's the thing. And I think many of us in this business forget this. Um, they like you, they'll hire you once because you're interesting. Mm-hmm. They hire you repeatedly when you help them deliver results that are important to them. Right. Yep. And okay, so let's talk about your delivery. You and I, oh, you shared this great idea years ago about are you the Coke or are you the Coke machine? So the delivery mechanism has been something that, you know, I made a real mental shift and and a lot of my clients are no longer thinking of themselves as speakers. They're thinking of themselves as experts who you know, are responsible for this, solving this problem. And speaking is one of the delivery mechanisms. So that's the Coke machine, not the Coke. Okay. So let's talk about your delivery mechanisms. What all is your business model about? Well, we, we broadly define it as uh, two pieces, the, the event driven side of the business. Okay. Um, take it back. It's three pieces. It's the writing and media side. Yes. It's the event side and it's the long-term relationship side. And that's where things like consulting and going out to see someone, what does going out to see someone once a month look like? Is that Uh, a group of you in a boardroom or how does that work? It varies from uh, right now. I'm about a year and a half into this. I'll probably be with them another Oh, probably two years on a pretty much monthly basis that we sort of, sort of slow down around the holidays some. Uh, and, and I've done everything from work with senior leadership on uh, how, how they define where their culture needs to be. Right. Um, we've done 360 feedback that we're now running through the entire organization. Mm-hmm. I've done training down to the team leader level. Wow. I've done individual code. By the way, the training down into the team leader level was um, in multiple languages. So 
I would be doing my session while it was simultaneously being translated. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they have multiple languages within their facility. So uh, we deliver the program and the materials uh, in the way that's easiest for them to learn rather than the way that's best or the way that's easiest for me to deliver. Right. Um, so I'm doing that. I'm doing, um, I've got three of them now, the three people, three crucial mid-management people that I'm doing um, some extensive coaching with one-on-one -on -one right. to help them solve their teams. Right. And, and then the next two days while I'm out there, we're working on a delivery model that has me uh, transferring a lot of the content pieces uh, that I would normally do in education sessions to them and training their people to deliver that and coach around it so that my time will be used more uh, going forward at the strategic level. Right. Um, and, and we did that. We, we couldn't do that before because they, they had some holes in their staffing that it took a while to fill and get people up to speed. So, um, so, you know, that's all the delivery methods. I've also helped them completely design a new performance management process and performance feedback process. Um, that's a lot. There's, that's a significant. And, and have you, over the years, had people say, we want you to help us do an online course? I've done online courses before. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked with uh, an international association some years ago, and they they decided that they wanted an extensive um, investment in training their future leaders. So we developed 28 hours of online learning for them, most of which was customized specifically for them. Right, right. Now, a lot of people, I think, are thinking about the passive income streams, and so they go to the online course, and having done mine now for the last... 10 years, it's, it's not uh, this cash cow that everybody thinks is, is going to happen. It's, it's, I have been perfecting it and changing it and updating it. I mean, even until this, you know, week, it's, it's an ongoing process. It is not easy money. As well, they say. <laughs> it's, it's not because it all depends on you being able to get people into the program. Mm -hmm. Right. And the funnel has to be there. The funnel has to be there. Now, I, I do, for example, um, when I wrote the book, Make Change Work, we developed, there, there was a company that has an online platform for companies. And so they manage literally all the online, I mean, they do sales skills, sexual harassment, you know, all kinds of stuff that they do around, um, but it's all delivered in an online just-in-time platform. Right. Um, I licensed, uh, I went up, shot 10 videos, licensed it to them. And I would much rather, and by the way, I don't make a lot of money off of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also don't have to worry about putting people in, into the program either. Right, right. So, yeah. so right now, um, and, and I'm, I'm also, you know, I've got a client that we're talking to right now about, using an online, you know, me developing content for their online platform that they currently have within right. their, within their company to um, supplement what I'm doing for them live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because 
really uh, when you come in live you that's one version of learning but how do you go deeper and keep it going and keep it going and and how do you reinforce it and how do you give them a just in time okay i forgot about this um you know i remember pennington said something about this but you know what was it if i can go back and say hey remember when we talked about this here's what right. that means right. and so we can do some of that online and so then of course yeah and we do some of it now through chat and zoom and facebook live and right all those so things too. Highly customizable has kind of been your thing so that maybe this is how you have kept people coming back. You haven't tried to say, okay, here's my off the shelf course. Let's do that. That has not been your thing just yet. Um, I mean, I have some off the shelf. If you go to our website, you'll see I only do, I only market for presentations. That's I, it. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I, I decided this, this was a decision that I made years ago, um, that if I haven't written about it, I don't speak about it. Hmm. So your books are three of the presentations probably. Right. And the fourth one is the book that I'm working on now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, there you go. So if you haven't written about it, you don't speak on it. Is it because you want to have that kind of breadth of research behind what you take to the stage? Uh, some of it is that. I want to have that research. The other piece is um, like change, for example. Mm -hmm. Everybody speaks about change. These right. Days. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but I have a very unique niche in that. And that is um, John Cotter wrote in the late 80s, 70% of all change efforts fail. Mm -hmm. That number still is the same today. Wow. Um, and it's sort of sad when you think about it, when you it think is. about all the books and speeches and articles. Yeah, that, and, that's a and, lot of wasted IP. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're still not that much better at it. Sure. And so um, my book is titled Make Change Work. And it really is about, all right, everybody knows that there's change. It's coming. I don't need to tell you that it's coming. What you really want to know is how do you get your organization from point A to point B? Right. How do you move your team from point A to point B? And so I'm very specific. Uh, now, if someone asked me to do, can you do this for our employees as opposed to our leaders? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I don't lead with that. I always lead with, this is what I help people do. Right. And if you want me to take it further, I can, but I don't lead with that. So your keynotes would likely lead to your consulting business is your long-term revenue are is that your rainmaker your keynotes um most of the time yes now you know interestingly enough more and more of my keynotes now come from the fact that um i i write so much and i'm out there so often right. that that's what so the writing often drives the keynote the keynote doesn't always lead to long-term business, but it doesn't have to lead it every time. If I can just get a, a few. 40, yeah, 40 to 50% ratio out of that of something more then that's good. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, that's great. If I can get, um, you know, I did a presentation two years ago that 800 people in the audience, I got one piece of business out of it. But... Yeah, but it was for 15 months. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> okay, score. <laughs> yeah, and so that was a you know uh, that was a good day. That was yeah. a good day. I mean, the speech was good. The evaluations were good. Everything was fine. But you know what? That one person that came up and said, "Can you help our business?" Um, and we did. Over fifteen months that we worked together, we grew. We saw their revenue growth by thirty five percent. I love it. So talk about if you were to tell yourself something when you were in your first, say, five years of your business, what advice would you have given your young, young Randy <laughs> now? Uh, yeah, um, the first piece is buy luggage with wheels on it. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't even invented yet. <laughs> That's funny. You because, should have bought stocks in luggage with wheels on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. or at least it would have saved my back if I yes. stopped carrying all that crap around. Yes. Uh, but from a business standpoint, <laughs> it would be um, write more sooner. Mm. Okay, because it didn't it didn't kick in right away. You were it didn't kick into the level I would I wish it had right away. Okay. Uh, the second thing is become narrower mm. sooner. Okay. Uh, which, which ultimately means, and our friend Joe Calloway talks about this a lot, yep. say no more often. Say no more often so that you can say yes when it's in your narrow, tight niche. Right. And the give things it to somebody that, else. Right. Give, yeah, give it to somebody else. Or if you can't give it to somebody else, say, hey, no, I'm sorry. I don't know anyone else. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, see, I think it's too easy for us to go, yeah, this isn't. 100% out of my lane. It's only 5% out of my lane. Right. I can take that. And Let's then somebody else goes from there and it's another 5% or yeah. 3%. And over a long period of time, you go, I'm not heading anywhere where I should be going, right. uh, where I thought I would be going. And so I, I found myself getting pulled earlier on and going, well, this is where the marketplace wants to take me. And, yeah. and that's a hard part is to think about, is this where the marketplace wants to take you right. or are you just being lazy and going, following the current, um, even though the marketplace might be right where you wanted it to be. So, uh, you know, making that distinction earlier, I think would have helped. Okay. Say no more often early on. I think that there's this, kind of double-edged sword of, well, I need to pay my bills, right? right. So we, we've got the mortgage waiting and we've got the kids in college and things like that. So it becomes a little bit of a juggling act of, well, what do I say no to? But I think just know that that's ultimately the place that you want to get to. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Absolutely. And I'll, I will tell you that I, I struggle with that, but this is one of the smart decisions mm. they made. Um, I think too many people get into this business without understanding how the business works and understanding that, you know, budget is nothing, cash flow is everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I got into it, Jane, with the notion that, you know, that if the year starts in January, I want to have enough cash and business, business on the books and cash in the bank to last me through August. Mm, okay. Uh, see, every business has a financial cliff. At which point, I don't care if it's Amazon or, you know, 
Alibaba in China, if, if they stop selling sooner or later, they run out of money. Right. So, you know, I wanted my financial cliff early on to be through August because I knew that the summer was typically slower. Right. So, so I spent the entire first half of the year selling the next half of the year. Right. Uh, because I walked in with enough cash and business to do that. Then I stretched it out to say, I want enough cash and business to go f- uh, cash on hand and business on the books to go for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that way it kept me from worrying too much. So when, when recessions hit, one of the other things, when you're in it this long, you go through recessions and right. I got caught in the 2000. 2001, 2002, uh, telecom and tech meltdown. Right. Um, and I mean, I, I was close. I mean, I was, I was probably two months away from having to start tapping into my retirement. Wow. Um, and so I decided it then it took me about a year to build it back up. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when, when it started coming in again, I just started piling cash in and piling cash and piling cash and sitting on assets. So that when 08 and 09 hit, uh, I was, I was sitting with a year and a half worth of business and cash on my, on hand when the recession hit. Would you say that by doing it that way, you are able to make less decisions based in fear? That's the goal. Mm hmm. Because um, don't you think that decisions, this is my saying that I got from Peter Legg, and I figure he's a multimillionaire. He probably knows what he's talking about. Decisions based in fear are typically wrong, is what he told me. And I've lived by that ever since. And, and I agree with that. Um, I, I tell people that I live in a positive state of productive paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> a positive state of productive paranoia. <laughs> I like that. At least you're putting a positive spin on it. Right, right. And, and I, go, I go back to uh, Herb Kelleher, founder of Southwest Airlines, yeah. I said once, I've, I've accurately predicted 11 of the last three recessions. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it's always thinking out there of, of you know, I want to be, I, I want to be strategically positioned. I right. want to be, I mean, actually, because I was positioned the way I was in 08 and 09, um, our business went up in, in the recession. Yes. It's interesting. You know, I, I knew that that was possible because I I don't remember feeling it at all either. Um, and I typically am... Uh, basing my business on what's going on with speakers. Right. So if somebody, lots of people must have been doing the thing that you were talking about in order to have kept my business going. So I didn't, I didn't feel it at all either. Yeah. And, and, and I do think it comes back to, to your original piece of thinking of this as a business. Yes. And, and businesses know that a good quarter is not a trend. Right. And, and what would you say from a business perspective, the numbers that every speaker wants to be looking at in their QuickBooks uh, reporting system, what, what numbers do we want to keep our eyes on? Um, I've got about 
six that I watch regularly. Okay. Um, and and I, I, I go back to it. It's my top line number, my bottom line number, and my middle number is the operations number. So your gross, so, your net, your operations. Right. So I look at, uh, I look at what's the gross, mm-hmm. what's the net, what's the net before and after taxes. I look at both. Yeah. Um, I look at the operational cost. What what are the fixed costs that have to be there every single month versus what are the variable costs that I can choose to make based upon when I want to make them. Right. Uh, and then on the front end, I want to look at, um, I want to know, I, I look at who's in my funnel. Uh, I look at the size of my funnel every month. Uh, I look at, so what's out there that's in the funnel. Um, I look at what's the cost of an ac- a customer acquisition. Um, I also look at what's my closing ratio. That's really important too. All really good numbers. Right. And, um, you know, and, and I can go more granular on any of these um, right. in, in any area, but, you know, we have now a pretty good model um, that we built of knowing this is what our monthly nut is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, every month I look at where are we based upon the monthly nut mm-hmm. um, and where are we based upon our um, our goals. So I, I track both, you know, what's it cost me to stay open and what's it cost me to, what, what will it take to get where I want to go? Don't you find that with all of the technology and bells and whistles that the monthlies, like everything now is a monthly of this, a monthly of that, that it just keeps going up and up and up. I mean, you can hop on almost every bandwagon, but you're going to be sitting an an extremely high monthly nut. And um, yeah, it's, you know, everybody's going to subscription model now, right? Um, which by the way, that's really forced me to think about what is the technology that I absolutely need. Must have. What, what, tell, tell, talk about your team and your systems. My team is, yeah, my, my team is really small. Uh, it's, it's my wife and me. Oh, lovely. Uh, and that's, um, you know, over the years, I've had more people. I've had I did a period where it was just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been with me now since, you know, well over 25 of the 30 years that I've been doing this, um, where she's been working in the business. She pretty much runs the back office side. Love um, it. Yeah. Now, we have within that contract relationships, for example. Right. Um, my web guy, Carl, is and his assistant, Claude, are amazing. Um, they do the technology, the developing of like my website, my materials, whatever, but it's Mary, my wife. So if you look at my website, if you like the way it looks, she, she's the eyes behind that. She does all the design. Um, she's the one that says, um, you know, that little blue background that's on the header right now, Mm -hmm. she's the one that found the exact piece of fabric that we needed to take to the (laughs) photographer to get that background. Wow. That's really neat. And um, we could put your um, web people in the show notes if you would like to provide those. Sure. It's penningtongroup.com. 
penningtongroup.com. So Mary does that. On uh, technology, we use Microsoft Office. Um, you know, I use. What's your CRM? Uh, I use Insightly. Okay. And I use MailChimp for my newsletter. Okay. Um, I, you know, I have my own video studio set up. We invested a number of years back in a studio. Um, my office is 900 square feet of dedicated office space on the second floor of my home. Mm. Um, I have a studio, a small studio set up right there. So, um, you know, for example, I do a program uh, with Scott McCain and Larry Wingett called the Ultimate Business Summit. And we shoot video for that uh, that we send out twice a month to everyone that's subscribed to that program. Um, and I shoot all mine. I mean, I go in my room. I have my backdrop. I have my lights. I have my uh, really studio quality professional grade camera with microphone. Um, I have my own edit systems. I, you know, so we have a lot of the production side that we can do internally. Uh, not that I don't go out and, you know, our buddy Robin Creaseman does things for me periodically and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But I can do a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff myself. Um, so lean and mean is what you're telling me. Yeah. And so my net is really high. And that's the reason why. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, I did a, I, I did a, an analysis about four years ago. And what it told me is um, the if, if, if my revenue is at a million or my revenue is at 600,000, I make almost the exact same net either way. Well, isn't that interesting? And how much harder do you have to work to do the seven figures? Right. And so, and, and, and the reason why is we could do, you know, and, at 600, I knew exactly what staff and resources I need. If I went to seven figures, um, I have to add, you know, different resources, different costs, different. I, I, I fall into a different tax structure. Right, right. Um, and so I go from one tax rate to a significantly higher tax rate. Right. I, you know, I mean, all those things start to play into it. And it wasn't a one for one, but it, you, when you look at it and say, really, um, to Is go from, from yeah. this to this, what's the best business decision there? That's really uh, interesting. And, and, that, and that's where knowing your numbers makes a difference. Right. Um, my numbers are about... 50 to 60% net. Wow. And that's, well, by the way, that's after taxes. That's awesome. I, um, I think that you might have some people who could be listening to our podcast, just kind of thinking about their numbers a little bit differently. Um, maybe looking at some of the numbers that you've talked about. What is your cost of an, uh, a client acquisition. That's a really interesting number that I bet a lot of people aren't really examining. There is a, a new CRM that I'll give a little plug for, and we can put it in the show show notes called Karma CRM for Speakers. You've probably heard mm -hmm. of it. I and have. Um, that is a really nice way to keep track of your funnel and to see what is coming in and what you've closed. And it, it keeps your eye more on the ball in terms of uh, the numbers. So I'll just put in a little plug for that. Good. So um, 
Let's say that you have a speaker who is kind of trying to scale. What would be one or two things that you might offer for people to just kind of take it to that next level? Maybe they have a book, maybe they have a, you know, or maybe they haven't written one yet. Um, what do you think are the important things that really help you hit the next flashpoint? Um, well, two things that popped to my mind. One is don't just write a book to have a book. Mm, thank you. <laughs> We've said that before. Yeah, don't just write a book to have a book. So uh, one of the things that I learned the hard way, um, and know what you want your book to do for you. Right. So, uh, for example, when I wrote the book Results Rule, I knew what I, I was at the very front end of people starting to talk about organizational culture. Okay. And I wrote that book because I wanted to talk about organizational culture. And what I saw happening was everybody assumed organizational culture meant having fun at work. Hmm. So, um, and there's still way too many people that think, well, it's a culture. It's, it's the, you know, it's the foosball table. It's the beanbag right. chairs. That's yeah. not culture. No. Right. And, and, and my, so I, I put a flag in the ground that said, um, the only culture that you need is the one that helps you get the results that you want. So you're saying stake your claim around your ideas. Right. Yeah. And so I wanted the book to do that. When I wrote Make Change Work, it was I wanted that book to do this for me. And I wanted it to give me, one, some speaking opportunities, which it has. Mm -hmm. The second, though, is I wanted executives to call me and say, we're going through this. Can you help us? Right. So do you put a lot of case studies into your books? There's, there's a lot of case studies. There's a lot of examples. Sometimes I draw um, the, not the most obvious connections. Um, I compared the mortgage meltdown of 08 and 09 to the uh, great tulip crisis of 1637. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I saw that way before. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> um, so I try to make some interesting things that, you know, that kind of go on the, the book I'm writing right now. Um, it, there's, I'm drawing the connection to things I'm writing about now to the great horse manure crisis of 1894. <laughs> so that's really interesting uh, that you try to be very unique in your examples. And right. so your writing is probably things that are, are sticky. People remember it. They remember the horse manure. They remember the tulips because it kind of comes out of left field, right? Right. And they remember, um, they remembered I did a thing in Make Change Work. I did a whole chapter on dodos versus coyotes. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and you might not remember anything else, but you remember don't be a dodo bird, be a coyote. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so that's, a piece of it. So you want to make it sticky, but here, here's the way I think about it. And this goes back to the Coke machine, Coke mm -hmm. um, metaphor, analogy, whatever it is um, metaphor, I think. But if you draw a circle uh, and, and in the middle of that circle, you write that idea mm -hmm. and, it, and you want the idea to be something that that's where you're going to stake your claim on. And then you right. go out from that. And so now how many different ways can you deliver that idea? Um, and, and so, but the core of the thing is not the speech. The speech is one of the things on the outside of right. it. It's on the outside circle. The inside circle is what's the core of the idea. 
and if you think about it in a book, there are lots and lots of different ways. I mean, you could be selling one idea in a hundred different ways. Right. I mean, the whole thing about, make, for example, make change work is the whole premise of the book. Um, everybody talks about change management. And my whole premise of the book is um, really comes down to two things. Uh, if you're going to succeed, you have to be able to change. And change doesn't fail because it's undermanaged. It fails because it's underled. So, you're, you know, I love that you're always kind of saying that this is my way of thinking on this topic and it's brave and it's bold and it's not what everybody else is saying. You're right out there with your own language. TM. And <laughs> right. And some of it's some of it's registered and trademarked. And a lot of it, for example, I just wrote a piece for um everybody in the IT industry is talking about digital transformation now. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a piece for CIO magazine that says um transformation is the goal, digital is the tool. Right. So uh put your own Right. Spin on what everybody's talking about. I think that's called newsjacking is what I've heard about it from NSA. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what you call it, but I, but yeah. I know that, you know, you, you have to be, people have to go, oh, wow, I haven't thought of it that, that way, way yeah. before. And, <laughs> and that's what I want them to do when they hear me, when they read my stuff, when they, right. I haven't thought about it that way before. I think that that right there is where... That is the Randy Pennington secret sauce is to put your own spin on things. You're really, really good at that. And you have made a 30 year career of doing exactly that, putting your own unique. I hadn't thought about it that way. Spin on things. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. I hope so. I, you know, it's something, um, I mean, as you know, Joe Galloway is a great friend of both of ours, and Joe and I talk about this a lot, and that is, um, and it's the thing that scares me today more than it ever has before, because there's so many good people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how do you stay relevant today how do you is be the issue. Shine, how do you be the shiny object when you've been right. around for 30 years? And, and, you know, that's hard because they're like, oh, yeah, we had him. Yeah, but if you had me five years ago, you're, you're not, not getting, getting the same guy. You're not getting the same guy. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, people go, oh, yeah, we had him. Yeah. Um, and, or, you know, I've heard of him or, you know, whatever that might be. In some cases, I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, we had you years ago. No, you didn't, but you just have heard about me for so long that you think you did. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's why you're writing books and you're constantly speaking on those new ideas in those books so that you can stay ahead of that curve and the people who you know you you can't combat um the shiny penny syndrome uh, to all it's to be all things to all people but you know what the people who are loyal to you that's what i'm getting out of this message is that loyalty is where it's at well if if, if you want to have if you want to be a one-and-done, event-based person, okay, um, you can do that. And there are, there are some that have been hugely successful at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vince 
is a great example. Vince Pacente is a great example. He's mostly an event-driven person, mm-hmm. although he's doing some other things now, but he's mostly that. Jeannie Robertson, event-driven. I mean, the, the, so, you know, if you're on that roller coaster, by all means, write it for everything that you can write it for. Right. But sooner or later, there aren't many people, you know, Jim Rohn and Zig may be the two that only come to mind right right off the top of my head. There aren't many people who can be 30 years of a speech at a time. Right. That's a hard, it's a hard path. And so I think thinking about how you can diversify and get yourself uh, going on lots of different revenue streams and getting asked back again and again and again and having a plan for people. You know what? I'm going to have to have you back for part two of this talk because <laughs> be my you, know, pleasure. you know what we're going to talk about next time is how do you get a contract that lasts for 17 years? Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and by the way, here's the short answer is the preview a day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to the one of the very first things that we talked about, and it's what you preach so well. Um, and so I hope people not only listen to you, but I hope they call you because you, you preach this fact that, you know, if you're not getting, um, from a keynote standpoint, if you're not getting some spinoff, you're not that good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same if you're working on a long term. If you're not that good, you don't get asked back for the next year. Again and again and again. And, and so really, this is a good place to leave our conversation is the bottom line is whatever the work you're doing, be good. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and maybe be better than good. Okay. Good, need, good needs to be the low bar. Yes, that's true. What's our, what's our word? Uh, I don't know. Be, be exceptional. Be exceptional. Yeah, whatever. Right. Be, be extraordinary. Or- All right. All right. Well, with the extraordinary Randy Pennington and I are going to say, uh, thank, thanks, by the way, Randy, for your time. Oh, I really appreciate it. And I, I'm serious about having you back. So, Monica, set this up, please. Um, and uh, if you're listening in on iTunes or Stitcher or on our website at speakerlauncher.com, please leave us a comment or a rating. Let me know. Drop me a line, Jane at speakerlauncher.com. Let me know that you've enjoyed this particular interview. And with that, we will say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speakers Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free wealthy speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.